0: Chapter Fifteen of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Fifteen The Search for the Runaways. Have you any idea as to the meaning of this? And the Colonel passed the slip of paper to John. I expect the fellow is a friend of Barnes replied john at any rate it will be wise for us to be here early i think so too meanwhile we'll try to find eleanor how will you start about it sir like you i can't help connecting her with that woman corey i feel that she aided and abetted her i think so too but as i told you on the phone last night she would say nothing she absolutely refused to tell me if she knew where my sister had gone or to give me her own address she would still there may be ways of finding out at any rate we will go to the club you visited last night do you think she had any money inquired john i asked your mother about that she doesn't know she says that eleanor earned a good salary during the war and for some time after but she's no idea whether she spent it all or not it seems however that she had her quarters dress money about a month ago and your mother is not aware of her spending any considerable amount since probably she has a few pounds with her why do you ask as i told you dad i have little fear of eleanor i feel sure she can take care of herself she can earn her own living too i was told while she was working in that government office that any business house would be glad to give her two hundred pounds a year my idea is that if she has a few pounds as you say she'll get lodgings and then look out for a job i only hope peg is with her i say dad i'm awfully sorry for you thank you my boy i do feel this badly even yet i can't realize that those girls have left home and that peg is in danger of ruining herself for life it's simply horrible to think of we are so much in the dark too and it may be that even now that child may be at some registry office getting married to that cad just think of it the son of that woman the brother of those girls and that may not be the worst of it i don't like the way those women talked my boy nor i still i don't fear what's in your mind dad i'm sure that eleanor will make barnes do the straight thing i believe barnes is afraid of her too of course i know he's a bounder and a rotter and capable of doing any dirty thing but i've faith in eleanor i hope you're right john but how can one know it may be that while eleanor was with this woman Corrie, the fellow was alone with peg and may have persuaded her to any madness i'm almost mad myself as i think of it but i can't understand eleanor getting under the influence of that woman Corrie and people of her kind as you know she openly denounced marriage while eleanor seemed to agree with her and peg heard her while barnes laughed good god why did i allow such people to enter my house i can't bear this any longer where are we they were seated in a taxicab as they spoke and were on their way to thames and corey's club we're just there dad this is the place no "'replied the girl, who was seated at a desk in a kind of office. "'We don't know where Miss Corrie is.' "'This in reply to the colonel's inquiry. "'Will she be here to lunch, do you think?' "'I don't think so. "'She is seldom here to lunch. "'As a matter of fact, we have very little accommodation for that kind of thing.' "'Then perhaps you could tell me where she lives.' no replied the girl we never do that sort of thing it's against the rules of the club to give any member's address but if you'd like to write her a letter it'll be sent on to her immediately i'm afraid that wouldn't be of any use replied the colonel you see i want to see her at once on a very important matter "'If you could strain a point and give me her address.' "'Impossible. Besides, it would be no good,' interrupted the girl. "'She's never at home during the day. She's nearly always at her work.' "'Let me see,' and the colonel spoke like one trying to recall something. "'I've forgotten where her place of business is.' is she a friend of yours she was at my house last sunday night then you should know she's a journalist she's the counselor of new women on the women of tomorrow she's aunt mary on the butterfly and she acts as secretary for liberty equality and fraternity a busy woman remarked the colonel yes she is and she's almost sure to be at the office of one of those papers of course i'm not sure i hear that dulotsky the great russian bolshevist is in london she may be interviewing him she's often used for that kind of job anyhow i can't give you the address of her flat although i can send on letters here's one i'm sending to her now i've just readdressed it that's a funny stamp said john who had taken no part in the conversation but on whom the girl had cast sundry smiles what nationality does it belong to i think it's russian replied the girl miss corey gets letters from all sorts of funny places does she though asked john smiling at the girl i'm awfully interested in stamp collecting do be a sport now and let me look at it it's not a love letter tittered the girl tamsin doesn't believe in that sort of thing how do you know asked the boy with a laugh how do you know she hasn't a sweetheart somewhere but that's not the point i want to look at the stamp What sort of stamps do you use when you write love letters? Asked the girl with a giggle. I only kiss the place where the stamp ought to be and then the postman takes it for love. For shame to talk like that when your father's listening. And the girl winked. There, look at it if you like. John's quick eyes caught the address at a glance. Two fifty-nine black in mansions it's a nice stamp remarked john i must ask miss corey to give it to me she's often here of a night replied the girl but this week i'm not here after five o'clock then i shall not come was john's reply you seem to have some experience in getting on with girls remarked the colonel when they got outside she was making eyes at me all the time you were talking replied the boy that's why i butted in anyhow we've got the address perhaps eleanor's there let's go and see cried the colonel eagerly but he was doomed to disappointment when they arrived at black inn mansions a large block of buildings made up of innumerable small cheaply furnished rooms he discovered that miss Tamson corey's apartments were vacant he discovered that she shared certain rooms with two other women and that the three had lived together some time neither of these women moreover appeared to correspond "'in the slightest degree "'with either Eleanor or Peggy, "'neither could they discover "'that the girls had been there.' "'What now?' "'asked the Colonel with a sigh, "'when at length they had left "'Black Inn Mansions.' "'The Office of Liberty, "'Equality and Fraternity,' "'replied the boy. "'But I don't think you'd better appear.' "'Why?' because it's a revolutionary paper, and you are a colonel in the army. You stand for law and order, and that paper stands for the opposite.' "'Of course you're right,' replied the colonel. "'But it does seem strange that such rags should be allowed. Have you ever seen a copy?' "'I saw one of Mr. Davenport's men reading a copy,' replied John." Of course it's simply clotted rubbish, but it seems to be read by a lot of hotheads. It talks a great deal about our Russian brothers, speaks enthusiastically of the red flag, damns what it calls capitalism, and says how glorious it would be if we had communism in England. I wonder the government allows it, said the colonel, as if thinking aloud of course i had heard something of industrial unrest in england but i had no idea before i came home that revolution was advocated publicly go to hyde park on a sunday afternoon laughed john anyhow let's go to these offices of this paper said the colonel almost feverishly the quest was in vain however when john inquired if miss corey was there he was informed that she was away doing work for the paper and beyond that he could get no information neither could they get any news of her at the offices of the women of Tomorrow, or the butterfly at each place it was a matter of no thoroughfare miss Tamson corey's movements seemed to be unknown for that matter the editor of the butterfly told the colonel that miss corey was seldom there it was true she wrote a column every week over the signature of aunt mary but that this column did not necessitate her presence at the office it's mainly answers to correspondence he was informed and is especially written for young girls miss Corrie's a good writer added the editor but she's rather given to discussing politics and that's no good for our readers and now we'd better go to bywell street said the colonel when they had failed to find miss Corrie. all right dad we can about manage to get there by a quarter to one True to his promise, the young man who had spoken to them appeared at the door of the house agents at the time he had mentioned. "'Colonel Trelawney, sir,' he queried. "'Yes, I'm Colonel Trelawney,' was the reply. "'My name's Wilkins, sir. Herbert Wilkins. I was in the Kent Buffs, and I work at the same place as Barnes.' "'The house agent's place?' yes sir and you know where he is now the colonel's voice was eager i don't say that quite sir but i think i do in a way you are a friend of barnes no sir not a friend you see barnes got a commission during the war and wears a large-sized hat as a consequence i dare say i might have had a commission too if I'd played up for it, but I didn't. Anyhow, Barnes tries to play at being a swell, which he isn't. Anyone can see that. But where is he now? I'm coming to that. I was in the office last Wednesday when a letter came for Barnes. I took it to him and saw that it had the war office stamp on it barnes is a bit of a boaster and he told me it was from you sir he said you'd invited him to the army and navy club to dinner he told me too that he was going to marry your daughter and that he was going to settle things with you over a bottle of champagne indeed remarked the colonel dryly while John gave vent to some unparliamentary language. Of course I didn't believe it, remarked Wilkins, although he asked me to go with him to the entrance of the club, if I didn't trust his word. Well, to tell you the truth, I followed him, and saw him go into the Army and Navy club, but he'd been there only a few minutes when he came out again looking very black. When he saw me, he tried to make the best of it and said that the affair was settled. I told him I didn't believe it, and then he bet me ten pounds that the wedding would come off in a week. This was outside the Army and Navy Club. Perhaps a hundred yards away, sir. And then? He went away, sir, but I didn't like the look on his face face i know the kind of chap he is and how he's boasted that your daughter was in love with him i remember too sir that i'd seen your son in france captain trevor trelawney sir yes that's my son well sir remembering the kind of gentleman he was and reading of the kind of gentleman you were i couldn't believe you'd be willing to let your daughter marry Barnes. And then I got to thinking of the look on his face as he left the club, and I was sure he'd heard nothing that pleased him there. After that, I had a feeling that something was wrong. I've got a bit of Sherlock Holmes in my nature, sir. So I went to Barnes' house that same night, yes yes interrupted the colonel eagerly they didn't seem pleased to see me sir which was a bit strange for at other times they especially barnes sisters have been very sweet on me before i'd been there long i could see that something important was on and presently it leaked out that you had insulted him and as good as had him thrown out of the club i don't know how it was sir but the spirit of mischief seemed to possess me so i said with a laugh that's how the colonel invited you to dinner is it that's how you settled everything over a bottle of fizz barnes what about our ten-pound bet this made him in a worse temper than ever And he seemed to lose all control over himself. Don't you make any mistake, Wilkins, he said. I'll drag the whole lot of em into the mud. I'll not be insulted for nothing. I've got my plans all made. She'll not marry you against her father's will, I says, won't she? And he laughed why she's fair gone on me she'll do anything i ask anything see i don't believe it i says the colonel's a gentleman and you can't make me believe that a family of that sort is going to get mixed up in that sort of thing a lot you know wilkins and there was an ugly look on his face as he spoke why, both the girls is leaving home anyhow. They can't stand the old man, and Eleanor has took a flat not a thousand miles from the Holborn Town Hall. Now then, and I know of a little crib where I can take Peggy, I've only to hold up my finger and she'll come wilkins stopped in his recital at this juncture as though he found it difficult to proceed i hardly like telling you what followed sir he stammered tell me tell me everything cried the colonel well i told him straight i didn't believe it that it was all bunkum, that a family like yours sir would get mixed up with people like them at this girls flared up they said that the barnes were as good as the trelawneys and then asked the colonel well i laughed jeeringly as you may say and told them i'd cut my wisdom teeth years before think of it i says think of the colonel owning you as a son-in-law it won't do barnes he'll be glad to he shouted almost white with passion you see sir he'd been drinking a bit and Barnes is always free with his tongue at those times glad to tell that to the marines i jeered you don't believe it he says no i don't look here wilkins he says suppose i takes her away with me for a few days then suppose i go to the colonel and say i'm prepared to marry her if he'll do that thing handsome but if not then he looked at me like that and wilkins assumed a defiant look the colonel did not speak but his face had become blanched as if with great terror john however who had been listening intently to every word caught wilkins by the arm this was on wednesday night wasn't it yes wednesday night then why didn't you come to our house and tell us wait a bit replied wilkins i haven't finished yet when he said this i laughed again it's all moonshine i said why he asked because you haven't got the pluck to do it i replied haven't i he asked and then he seemed to think he'd said too much for after that he couldn't say a word the girls kept on talking about it however and seemed to be as good as sure that the wedding would take place soon that's all wilkins concluded i came away soon after and went to my diggings this young gentleman has asked me why i didn't go to your house and tell you about it i did think of it but it was no business of mine besides How could I go to your house late at night and tell such a story? What would you have said? And that wasn't all. After i thought it over a bit, I didn't believe it. I've heard Barnes and his family talk before. He was always on with some girl or other, and talked continually about rich girls who wanted to marry him. Have you finished? asked the colonel very nearly sir as i said i laughed at the whole thing after i would left the barnes house but when i got to business yesterday morning and found that barnes didn't turn up i began to wonder especially was this so when our mr bristow came to me and asked me if i knew where he was of course i didn't say anything about what i would heard but when this morning came and he didn't turn up I began to think there was more truth in it than I had admitted. Then you came into the office, sir, and I thought I recognized you. I'd seen your photograph in the papers, and I felt sure you were Colonel Trelawney. You looked pale and worried, too, if you'll forgive me saying so. And then when you asked after Barnes, I said to myself, the blighter was serious after all. Then I scribbled that note, sir, for I felt you ought to know what I have told you. And that's all. That's all, sir. I'm afraid it won't help you much, and I'm more sorry than I can tell that I didn't try to find out where you lived on Wednesday night and told you all I had to tell then. But really, sir, I didn't think it was serious. Even now, I have my doubts whether there is anything in it. I'm very much obliged to you anyhow, said the Colonel. Perhaps you wouldn't mind giving me your home address. Certainly, sir. 32 Hope Terrace, Camden Town. May I ask, sir, if there's anything wrong? I don't know yet, replied the Colonel i hope not still i'm greatly obliged to you here's my card would you mind telephoning to me the moment you hear of barnes's whereabouts certainly sir you've not said a word about this to anyone no sir not a word then don't it shall be to your advantage not to and that reminds me that i've kept you from your lunch so i must claim the privilege of paying for it he passed a note into wilkins hand as he spoke and then returning the man's salute he turned to his son well my boy what do you think of it that we've a great deal to think about, Dad. I suggest that we go to your club and go over everything point by point. A few minutes later, father and son entered the army and navy club together. End of chapter 15